Hello, I'm Poppy and you're listening to Out The Gate Parenting. On today's episode, I sit down with the gorgeous Jessica White. And together, we unpack the depths and beauty of non-violent communication. This conversation embodies the whole reason I started Out The Gate Parenting. To be able to sit down with other parents and talk about the realities of navigating gentle parenting, non-violent communication, connected parenting at two in the morning, when your kid's losing it, when your partner comes home and has no idea what's going on, (laughs) and how practicing non-violent communication with our children has a ripple effect through the rest of our lives. Jess is a wealth of knowledge and I can't wait for you all to listen. So let's get into it. Well, good morning, Jess. How are you? Good morning, Poppy. I'm, um, I'm many things. I'm feeling tender and I'm noticing myself drop in to myself as I connect in with you. So mm. yeah, I'm quite curious to see where our chat's going to go. Mm. I'm on day two of my bleed, so I've got a nice blood flow going on. And I've just had the weekend away from my family. Um, I slept in my car last night at Taupo Bay. Um, and I woke up like, I left like a friend's dinner party last night because I just wanted to be on my own. And I woke up just feeling immense sadness and mm. fear. Mm. And it's, it, and I know it's about my life transition that's happening with my partner. Um, and it's just having the space to be on my own to actually feel it. So I've had a really, a quite like a potent morning of um, swimming in the ocean and breathing and walking on the beach and connecting and just letting myself feel it. So I'm feeling like um, quite tender and like quite yeah. soft. Yeah. And um, appre- I was appreciative of like you having some problems. <laughs> Like knowing that you were like not coming in here, like all like centered, kind of like gave oh. me permission to be like, oh my um. goodness. I'm glad you feel <laughs> that you could share that. Honestly, that makes me see and appreciate and understand that is what this platform is for. It's literally for mm. women and mums and whatever wherever you're at in any season of life to be able to come together and talk and share stories and be vulnerable and transparent because at the end of the day otherwise if you didn't say all of that I might have come in here being like oh shit I might not have felt like I could be like you know I'm a bit frazzled right now (laughs) I've got my but you know I've got the baby in there he's not asleep usually he is and I'm 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 in a bit of a funny limbo place as well. So thank you for saying that. I think it, it helps for both of us, eh? Mm, totally. Yeah. Sharing our humanness allows us to be free in our humanness. Exactly. Exactly. And it doesn't demonize anything and it doesn't it doesn't make it wrong to be not able to fix it in that moment. I'm talking to myself now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been looking forward to this chat for a long time because I am a mum of two small, tiny humans now. And I think I've been consciously and unconsciously or subconsciously searching for somebody who believes in parenting and gentle parenting like I feel like you do who gives it that chance without trying to fix everything and something I've noticed in my mothering journey so far which is this big tiny for everyone here who can't that doesn't have the visual um (laughs) is that yeah so so often you get to a place of hardship um and and often we're met with like oh, see that, that gentle or that hippie stuff doesn't work. You should try this or, and it doesn't, it doesn't mean that we need to be saved or changed. Um, We just need to be seen and heard and witnessed in that moment and devouring your Instagram content. That does feel like the message of like, 
it's not out here you already know it's already there you instinctively know how to be there for your children even in the hard times and it's about tapping into that so yeah i'm i'm here for this conversation um and full transparency i'm very tired last night my son screamed the house down till about 10:45 started at about 9 and he's never done that before and it's interesting mm-hmm. that that came up just before stepping on here with you because the rage that i felt come over me <clears throat> I've never felt that with him. He's he's just turned one and um, he's the chillest, most relaxed baby um, mm. we've had so far. We've only had one more, but um, yeah. So <clears throat> what I had to kind of get through last night to be able to then go to bed on a clear head to then wake up and come and do this today, it's it's so interesting. And it is all a lesson and it is all fucking hard. So I'm very, (laughs) I'm keen to dive into this with you. And I would love to start with your own journey and initiation into motherhood and how all of that unfolded for you. Mm. Mm. Yeah, thank you for the invitation. It's not something that I um, go into much to explore that. Where did motherhood start for me? And I like... I just got a vision of like a little like young girl and you know holding a baby doll so I'm sure like with all of us it starts from the moment that we exist (laughs) motherhood and um yeah I I I knew that um I wanted to become a mother in my 30s my mum became a mum when she was 30 and I just felt oh that feels like a great and resonant age for me Mm -hmm. and so I met my baby's dad when I was 28 and um yeah there was yeah talk of of becoming parents and i started feeling just the really strong urge and desire okay like it's time and i started getting really excited i was practicing massage therapy and all of a sudden i had all these pregnant women on my massage table and i was just mm-hmm. like in in their frequency and i knew it was going to happen soon yeah. um my partner wasn't so consciously on board with all of it and so it it like it just happened and yeah it was incredible becoming a mum to my my baby girl who's nine now and everything felt completely innate and natural and um like really easy to tap into how I wanted to mother her you know starting from home birth and I knew that I would homeschool and all of those things that um, I didn't know anyone else that were doing those things, but just felt so right and strong in me. Mm. And um, yeah, so that's when I became a mum nine years ago. And then we had our second daughter um, when my oldest was two, two years and nine months. So I've got two girls. Yeah. Wow. That's a nice age gap. It is. I really love the age gap and they really seem to enjoy each other's company when they do. (laughs) They love each other's company when they love it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so from becoming a mum, was there like an aha moment of like, wait, this is so innate in me and it, or I'm able to recognize this in me. This does feel natural because it kind of doesn't for a lot of people, you know, it kind of doesn't, that instinct and that intuition doesn't always kick in straight away um Mm. even for me like I had beautiful home birth for my first child and same I knew I wasn't going to be um sending them to school I wasn't going to be vaccinating I was wasn't going to be birthing in the hospital I just had such a clear unshakableness and so I Mm. assumed that the instinct and intuition and mother's you know everything would just drop in and it actually didn't for me it like with my firstborn it took a a while um for that to kick in so from your perspective was it an immediate thing of like oh okay and I can now go on to help other women and educate or you know what does that look like going from your initiation into motherhood 
into the work that you do now mm-hmm. yes yeah so for the first I would say um one to nearly two years everything felt quite innate and smooth and I was very easily able to access um, where I was mothering from like we mm. definitely had our challenges mm. and I still yeah I was able to to really tap in and then there was a time so when my daughter was 22 months old and it was the first time where I was like fuck I don't know what to do it was so petrifying we were in England we were I'm born in England and we were visiting some some friends over there it was me my daughter and my mum and it was quite a whirlwind five weeks it was really intense on my daughter and all of us actually and we were staying in a hotel and um yeah my, my daughter just became really overwhelmed and her emotion like turned into something that I'd never seen before she was um you know like screaming and kicking and crying and like rolling around on this floor and usually I'd be able to go over to my daughter and like be next to her and touch her maybe offer her my breast and it would be quite a quick um connection and she'd always come to me mm-hmm. and in that moment she didn't want me she was like kicking me and pushing me away and anytime I came close she'd move she'd like run away and go away Aww. and so it was really scary because yeah. my heart suddenly like I just felt so um, sad for her before feeling this and so sad that I couldn't help her and so like sad that she didn't want me and then scared because I didn't know what to do. Yeah. It was like the first time I didn't know what to do and it, so it just hit me and it was quite a shock to the system after having like nearly two years of really um, smooth like intuitive parenting. Yeah. And so that was the first episode like that and then there was numerous times when that happened again and so that's when I started to realize okay I need something else like I I've had evidence that there's this mother in me who knows how to mama in the way that I want to and love to and yet at moments like this I didn't know how to access her mm-hmm. and I could feel my you know like programming wanting to to come up to um like to tell her to to stop or to be quiet or to um you know like give her time out and move away from her and, and all these things mm. and yet it didn't feel aligned but I didn't yeah. know what else to do yeah and so yeah so that was like my heart suddenly opening okay I need something mm. isn't it such a a funny place to get to when all of a sudden boob doesn't fix everything <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I so remember with with my child with my, with my firstborn, my daughter. She still is the most vibrant, most punchy, in your face, sure of herself child. Um, and she was like that from the get go. And same with you. Like I could just kind of offer a cuddle, offer milk, offer even just not feeding but just her being on me naked next to my boob gave her so much um comfort and then yeah Mm -hmm. very similar story and I think it's that stress isn't it but um we were moving up here where we're so a big move from Auckland we shifted our whole house it was this huge uplift for her and for for me for us I was having a child in somebody else's space I felt Like I was apologizing for her all the time. I was conscious and freaked out about her touching other people's things. And it was just so, it was a lot, which of course she was picking up on. And then we arrived here and she just screamed the house down for like a week straight, adjusting um, at night. It was so stressful, sleep deprivation, uh, boob didn't fix it. And I was like, oh my gosh. It was like my first realization of like, and a a very interesting conversation that had to happen with me and my partner of like, see, she cries with me too. Just because I have breasts and milk does not mean that I can fix everything. And it was, it was a, yeah, it was a huge shift for all of us. Like, wow. So, so you have this experience with your daughter and then you start searching and then did you come across, you know, cause there's, a, there's the gentle parenting, gentle mothering, and there's all of those things, but specifically the nonviolent communication, was that something you came across 
then or was that something that followed later? Mm, so it was a little bit after. So I put the calling out. So I was very, very open. Mm. Um, and I, I did my best to do with like what I had and some books that I'd read and some groups that I joined on Facebook and all of that kind of stuff. And then it wasn't until um, actually, so fast forward. So then I, yeah, I was pregnant with um, our second. Yeah. And that was the first time in my life where I really felt the emotion of anger. Mm. and so and it was anger that was stimulated by something that my oldest was doing and it was so again so scary and so unsettling to feel angry in relation to something that my beloved oldest baby was doing and so that was really interesting as well so again like whoa holy shit I need something else and then um so again, just did the best that I could. And then fast forward to when my second was a newborn. So she was a few months old and we were in the transition of moving up north and um, like alignment in our stories. Yeah. And um, we were, I was living at my mum's house. We were like based at my mum's place in the transition. And at the time I was facilitating a home birth group down in Hawke's Bay. And I'd met one mama who was pregnant with her first through the group. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, so we were living at my mum's, um, out of the blue, this this young mum-to-be contacted me um, and said, I really need a place to stay. I don't feel safe at home with my partner. Mm. And so I asked my mum if she'd be willing to open up the house to this mum. Actually, she just had her baby, sorry. So her baby was five weeks old. Oh, my gosh. And then, Yes. And then so my mum said, yep course she can come and my mum like opened up her sleep out and um we set it up for this mum and her young baby my mum was sleeping on the couch the four of us were in the house and my dad and then it became really clear quite quickly that I couldn't give this mum this new mum the support that she needed her baby was really unsettled crying all the time mm-hmm. um and she was she was not in a good place and I had my two young kids and we were in the transition of moving so I put a call out on one of our local Facebook pages and um asked if there was anyone out there who, who was available to come and like just be with this mama and baby and just offer some support and someone tagged in someone else they said contact this person so I did and then I remember like this is like one of the most like magical and mesmerizing moments of my entire life when this person walked into my parents house she at the time she was 17 and I swear like she had this golden aura around her and as soon as she walked into our space like it just oozed calm like the whole place like we were oh it just went really calm and so this young woman 17 year old stayed with us um or she came into our house like every day for the next couple of weeks two to three weeks and I got to watch her display like a level of compassion that I'm not sure I've even seen in anybody before I was like what who is this she was able to like be with this mama and listen to her and and like just reflect things back to her she was with this baby for hours holding this baby um the kind of conversations that she and I would have I was just blown away at like her level of self-connection and the way that she expressed herself like she just seemed so calm and centered and humble and kind of like quietly confident and I was I'm like she's 17 and I'm comparing her to myself at 17 it was like worlds apart wow and I had this voice say find out who her mum is find out who her mum is and so I asked her and she said um she told me her mum's name and she said she teaches non-violent communication so I was like non-violent communication what is that but I knew like if her mum teaches and practices something called non-violent communication and her daughter grows up to be like that like that's what I want that's what I'm looking for I've got full so body I... goosebumps <laughs> yeah I do as well <laughs> so... yeah so I got in touch with her mum mm. and she was offering a course in NBC like and oh no no sorry I got in touch with her mum she wasn't offering a course but I was like I want to learn everything I can so I read Marshall Rosenberg's book who is the creator of NBC and instantly it's like whoa this is it this is what I've been looking for and then I went to um 
um, this trainer's course a few months later. And from the first time I, I had my first live training, I just had this voice again saying, you're going to learn this and you're going to teach it. And I was so shit scared because it was my biggest fear talking in front of a group of people like I never saw myself as a teacher it was scary enough holding like little home birth circles yeah. but it was so strong yeah everything in me was like this is it this is the thing oh my gosh so yeah okay first of all I want to know who these people are but we can do that off yeah. off the recording um yeah. and oh, there's so much in that I'm trying to like find words What, okay, so one of my questions here, because I think about this all the time, the groundwork we put in now for our children is so important. And I feel that and I know that. And this is our own, you know, like we're in, I'm in the trenches right now. <laughs> I feel not always, but I'm in the thick of it you know so it's the first time I'm treading these waters and I feel the enormity of just how important these times are for building those you know those stepping stones those these learning experiences these um opportunities always for more kindness more compassion more understanding of where my kids are at and I'm going to focus on my daughter right now because she's older um I've never been more triggered by somebody than I have been by my daughter like um it's it's something that I think about all the time it's something that I'm always trying to at least be aware of whether I have the answers or not I feel like an awareness is so important um I am quite hard on myself I know that but for good reason <laughs> right like these are tiny humans that you're you're I'm shaping and I'm molding we sorry are shaping and molding um within reason not just who they are but our relationship together when you said that you wanted to meet her mum it just gave me goosebumps like I said because if part of my goal is to want my kids to be so secure in themselves and have a relationship with us that feels so connected that they don't just want to bugger off and leave at the first chance they did like a lot of kids want to um yes I want her to go and find her way and you know join Broadway and all these things that I know that she just <laughs> loves and she would thrive in um and there's this other layer and level that I talk to so many mums about, which is that intergenerational living, the inter, uh, intergenerational learning and wow, the, those relationships. And so I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here now, but as since we're here, it's one thing communicating with toddlers, you know, and, and building those relationships with toddlers and then these toddlers grow up and then hormones start to kick in and puberty and um, deeper more existential <laughs> conversations and they start to wonder more and um, and your girls are nine and seven six, six. six. so yeah. these are like where are you at now with it all I know I'm totally skipping ahead I'm sorry but we're here <laughs> I'm very curious because I'm sure people meet your girls and think who's their mum you know and yeah I suppose I'm thinking for all the listeners who aren't where I'm at with toddlers who have you know older children how does the non-violent communication apply to older children <laughs> yeah so what I want to say is first and I think this is speaking to something that you said mm -hmm. just before mm -hmm. um was that this this mum of the 17 year old she only found nonviolent communication when the 17 year old was 11 oh. so I love that 
like we don't need to have this kind of you know we don't need to have it all together like from mm. the beginning like there's always 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 opportunity to create connection to offer repair to create connection and offer repair and I like yeah I just find such relief in that yeah. because absolutely we can we can learn these tools and we can practice these tools and yet I know that this consciousness and this language of nonviolent communication is never probably going to be my first language like I'm learning and I'm like yeah. shedding shit along the way yeah. and so I say I still like will say and be with my kids in ways that I don't want to be and I also know that I've got the skills and I've got the tools and I know how we can repair and come back and connect and all of that contributes to the trust in our relationship so it's all about trust and um like trust for both of us and um if, and it's like a, you, you feel it if that like if there's been a wobble in the connection and if there's like oh is our trust just been um like played with or, or stirred and so it's always just the openness and the honesty and the um, the trust, your own trust in, in your honesty, mm. which helps to bring back that trust within the connection. So the way that um, NBC has evolved as my girls grow um, is, um, yeah, we have more um, of those kind of conversations, like, and we go a little bit deeper, because I, I sense that they're, they're ready and, and able to hear the deeper layers of me, and mm. who I am, and how I am, and mm. yeah, yeah, so it, it always comes back to, like, checking in, yeah. you know, and a lot of our conversations happen, like, way after, when there's been like disconnection mm. it often won't happen in the moment sometimes mm. it does and it can be like a certain amount of restoration happen um and many of them come like maybe a few hours later or the next day or the next week if I'm sensing yeah. there's still something that's not quite cleared so yeah. yeah it's just really reassuring to know um that we've like we've got our whole relationship to to keep rebuilding that trust mm. trust is such a huge one um it's important for both mum and baby and dad to be in a place of feeling like a team and you're supposed to trust every member and yeah I oh I love that so going back to my night last night applying it to where you would have been <clears throat> in those early days young children um, learning all these skills, um, trying to harness them and use them in a in a way that was going to be beneficial and stuff. How easily were you able to access those skills at two a.m. in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> Almost impossible. <laughs> Almost impossible. Okay, that's all I wanted to know. Okay, we can move on. <laughs> oh my goodness! I think it's 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 something that I talk about the most with um my that with my girlfriends that have young kids <clears throat> not so much the older children but that's a different story because they wake up and then they're asking like mom what is death <laughs> you know it's not like just crying it's like bosh you know but maybe I'm saying this just for myself but I'm also saying this for my girlfriends hopefully who are listening and anyone else who is listening is we can know all this stuff you know, like mm -hmm. kind of like you just said, we can know all this stuff or at least have a willingness to be able to tap into our instincts that this child is just crying because it's woken up and it's got itchy bites all over its bloody feet <laughs> and mm -hmm. milk is not going to fix it and they just need to itch and scream for two hours apparently. At the time, it's really, really hard. When that mum guilt kicks in, and when the, the, you know, the irrational, tired, emotional, sleep-deprived brain takes over, which all, well, most, if not all, mums have, do you have any tools that you can offer 
or words of wisdom that you can offer now that you're kind of out the other end of that maybe I don't know how cool your your six-year-old is with sleep yet but um like in those moments I do feel anger I do feel rage I do feel especially when the fear kicks in that my other child is going to wake up from my (laughs) other child sleeping uh not sleeping Mm. sorry and I've had this conversation so many times I just yeah I as in with other women feeling the same and so do you have anything you could offer in terms of like tools or anything in those moments to help with that? Yeah, I'm sure you do. Yeah. Help me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got I've got some stuff. Okay. Cool. Okay. So first I wanna say, you know, when we reach the point of anger, it's said in NVC circles that there's mm-hmm. usually an accumulation of at least 17 unmet needs. Wow. And that's like, that's quite a lot of needs that aren't being met. <laughs> it is. And usually um, we may be like not fully aware of them and then maybe we are, but because we're like doing all the things and we're a mom and we're tending to our children's needs, we're just pushing our own needs down. Mm. So then you know, when we get to that 17th or that final need that's not being met, it's like, it just pushes it out, it tips it all over the edge and ah, that anger explodes because the energy needs that energy and the unmet needs the energy as well. So all just building on and on itself. Mm-hmm. And so the basis of nonviolent communication is a like a, a very um, attentive and attuned awareness to needs, to our own needs and to others' needs, so our children's needs. Mm-hmm. And first and foremost, it's got to be about our needs. So mm-hmm. NVC is like this mantra that I would used to say NVC starts with me I can't be there available wholehearted and open-heartedly with compassion with my babes if I'm not tending to myself first Mm -hmm. and so the tool is self-empathy and it's it's usually most effective when you're not well it's definitely effective when you give it to yourself in the moment you know where you're feeling the anger and you're feeling all the things like Mm -hmm. that is powerful but it's bloody hard to access So when I discovered what self-empathy is, and it's two questions that we ask ourselves, what am I feeling? What am I actually feeling? Like feel the emotion, find it in my body, like acknowledge it. And then the next question is, and what am I needing? Mm. Needing rest. Am I needing nourishment? Am I needing to be heard? Am I needing companionship? Am I needing to be understood? Am I needing space? Like whatever it is, again, acknowledge it. And we might not always be able to meet that need in the moment. Sometimes we can, like even if it is 1%, we can. And sometimes it might be really impossible. But if we remember that um, needs are like, they're like their frequencies. I just see them like floating around me all the time. Like all my needs are here in the ethers, just floating around me as um, energetic life force qualities. And so if I had a need to be understood, what I do is I can, there's like lots of practices to aid with this and lots of people find their own way of doing it as well, is I actually can bring the energy of what it is, what need did I just say? To be understood, I think. I can bring the energy in like to be understood and then like even if it's the smallest amount it starts to fill my body and it starts to bring me back into the core of who I am into my heart Mm -hmm. and so when I first found this tool I became completely obsessed with it I'd like write notes all over my house on my phone on my water bottle on my hand self-empathy like I just put an se everywhere self-empathy 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 so all day long I was going what am I feeling what am I needing Mm -hmm. (sighs) ah Just breathe into the need. Mm. What am I feeling? What am I needing? Ah, breathe into the need. Mm. And then I, uh, because I was practicing like all day long in moments that weren't intense, suddenly after a while I was able to access that in the intensity. Mm. And so then when I'm there in the middle of the night and I've got one baby screaming and crying and I'm worried that my other one's going to be woken up, I can like come back. What am I feeling? What am I needing? Ah, and it just brings me back a little bit more into being able to then open my heart to this mm. little being who's struggling. 
and then for me to begin to open to my heart to what her needs might be and again yeah. her needs their frequency that I can attune to yeah. because with the with the littlies like I'd even say five and under like most of NBC is non-verbal like it's a it's an energetic internal thing yes and which is why I always when I teach NBC I really start from the inner from the inner work and then we move on to like the the verbal tools a little bit later mm. because there's no point having words if you haven't got the the anchoring the words yeah. are nothing yeah that's right because sometimes I find myself being like still feeling the rage yeah. but saying what I think they want to hear <laughs> like yeah. I hear you I am going <laughs> to just blah blah and it's just and she's just staring at me like oh fuck off <laughs> <laughs> you're all shit. you're all shit and I know you're all shit and I'm gonna keep pushing this because one more minute of me doing this I know that I'm going to, you know, get to this other place, this other space, which usually for me means, um, look, full transparency, it used to mean that I would blow up, I would rage, and I would, you know, I wasn't like, I was never like a smash, crash, basher, but it was a deep internal um, sadness. I would just go to dark places. Um and not so much now because I've worked on, like you said, I've worked on that communication with myself, like getting to a certain space of unconsciously doing what you were just talking about, the, the self-empathy um, practice, not all the time, but like you said, even just that 1% helps so much. Um, but another thing that I've learned is to let my partner in and let him help and not take everything on like it's my job to fix it um, because I'm their mum and it's been one of the biggest learnings um, for me in my parenting is not my parenting it's letting him parent um, yeah. and yeah so I would love actually to tap into that a little bit of talking about co-parenting and, and ways that we can use these tools and spread it across the board and and have your trust and your team um support each other and that doesn't just mean for you know I've got plenty of girlfriends who aren't with the dads and have a hard time because you're especially when you have that separation the same problem not to you know, say that what they're going through is a problem, but whatever the child's going through, but having that separation, or you can still be living in the same house and you can still mm. have that disconnect and that separation. You're both sleep deprived, you're both you're both malnourished, and you're both coming from a place of disconnect and anger. And so of course none, nothing is resolved. And I think it's something that we talk about literally nightly at the moment because we're we're both very aware of our toddler's needs and how she grows and how her understanding expands and then our son has doing this epic awesome challenging transition from placid cute little baby to wanting to crawl and be everywhere and do all the things that his sister's doing um so yeah I would love for you to speak on some tools that could maybe be done together or maybe some scenarios like the dad is at work or whatever or even just outside whatever and you've been dealing with this thing the whole time this emotion this tantrum this whatever you want to call it and you're at your end and then the other party comes in what do you think is the energy they could or should be bringing at that moment because when I talk to girlfriends and myself personally and what I talk to Tobias about is, hey, 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 I don't want you to come in and start disciplining or start, you know, being like, look, your mum's upset. So you, so I'm going to remove everybody. Often what I want him to show is more patience than I have in that moment and be with my child. Not being bigger than she is or I am in that moment and displaying dominance or whatever that is. Instead, 
walking into that situation, not knowing what the fuck's going on, poor, poor guy, but <laughs> it's just an energy that is brought in of like, okay, I'm, I'm here. I'm going to address this. I'm going to fix this. It's not always helpful. It's not. Um, mm. So mm. I'm, yeah, I'm really curious as to what you think specifically for that scenario, because I think it happens mm. a lot, especially at the end mm. of the day when the mum's knackered, the dad's walking in to something. What in that moment? Because hopefully, of course, there's dads listening to this as well. This is not just for mums. What in that moment, in your opinion, is the most helpful thing? Yeah. Yeah, that's, I love that you're bringing that up because it's like a, a huge, like, it's where all our energies suddenly meet after being away from each other. Mm. And often that is the time of day when, you know, the kids are tired and they're starting to get hungry and it's, it's like everything usually does intensify. And so first, yeah, I just want to acknowledge how that is because I really relate to what you're saying. Like, as a mum, for me, like, it, so disheartening like it's so deflating because it's like all day we've been like really digging deep to like mum with compassion and it's like yes. and sometimes it's felt really far away but we're always trying and like even if we lose it we're always trying to come back and then it's like and then we we see you know a fresh energy like our co-parent our teammate coming in mm -hmm. and it's like we just want to just go like oh we just want to drop and we just want them to come in and, and like hold the space mm. and then when we see it in a way that doesn't align with like with our values and how we want our children to um to to receive it's it can like spin us out it feels like all that work is being undone yeah and we can feel torn as well because a part of us is like I just want, I just need this rest and I need this space and I need to go and stand outside on the earth for five fucking minutes to myself. Um, and yet we can't, it's like how peeling, it'd be like we're almost like peeling ourselves away because then something else has been triggered inside of us. Like mm. our values for compassionate parenting and connected parenting and respecting our children mm. um, has just fully been flared up. So and then like I used to find myself then like <laughs> coming in at him, like almost like asserting my power over him and trying to um yeah, like push him into doing something that he wasn't going to do or um hadn't been in his awareness. So and then yeah, everything just intensifies in that moment. And then I sometimes I found myself you know, almost like giving in, like, oh, I'll just I'll just carry on then. I'll just stay and I'll mom from this really depleted place so yeah like with um, what I've found like like with like almost any challenges especially ones that reoccur is that it's definitely most um supportive for everyone to have the conversations outside of that moment which it sounds like that you're that you've been doing mm. um and like and just really sharing like how it is and like how it is for you in that moment you know and also bearing in mind that um, if, if the dad, if the partner has been like at work or, or doing something else, like he's going to have his own stuff. Yeah. And if he doesn't practice something like conscious communication or, or um, something like that, mm -hmm. he could take what you're about to share with him as blame or, um, you know, like a put down on the way that he's doing things. Yeah. So it's definitely so for for like him to share first so I just want to check like you know when you're when you're coming home from work and like you see that like I'm really frazzled and stressed and the kids are crying like how is that for you yeah like first like, create that environment for him to be heard so he can like sink in and trust mm. sink in with trust into the conversation mm. and then so then like and then that can be so revealing as well because it gives us more information you know like okay like what, what does he need to help him come into a centered place? Mm. And then, you know, and then usually there's the opportunity for us to share, like, this isn't working for me. Usually by this time, I'm completely done. Been so digging deep to like, you know, really connect with the kids. And I'd love like to really feel that, that support when you come in so mm. I can just drop and recharge. And then like, yeah, and then always asking are you like keen to explore ways of how we can do this because mm. it can't go on anymore mm. yeah. it's 
something that we say to each other is that like a safe word kind of situation because it is not always that I've got it together and he comes in and you know like I just want to make that really clear <laughs> sometimes <laughs> he comes in and he's just looking at me like whoa okay <laughs> and he tells me he's like you need to stop I know how to mm. cook I know how to do all these things you need to release some control because that is 100% a part of who I am I'm becoming friends with it and I'm learning how to soften in my control, see it as a quality and not a disability, but man, sometimes it disables all of us. And, um, and what I'm understanding is I have to let him step up as well. Um, I think there's so much that is in our conditioning as women that we do just do it all. You know, like I'm pretty out the gate, hence the name of this podcast, hence what I'm trying to create here. Like I'm aware of the deep conditioning, um, the deep disconnect that we have in all aspects and how our um, external society does not champion um, connected communication, connected parenting, connected mothering partnering any of that and I am still obviously affected by these things and it's 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 really interesting having having to release some of that control in order to let him step up and learn and be there for me and the kids in the way that he knows how I can't control how he does it you know he listens to all the same podcasts that I do he he loves gabble mate just as much as I do <laughs> you know um and he's gonna come from at it in a different way and so is there an element of this that is about um allowing them to come in and allowing some things to maybe shift and change like we control our day. We've, we've gotten the kids up to a certain point, like you said, and then that person can come in and it can feel like it all unravels and all your hard work has just been stamped out by, you know, a movie being put on instead or let's just get in the car and go somewhere. Or, you know, for me, part of that is consistency in parenting, you know, like having our children feel safe having our children feel like our parents are united and bonded and you know uh, I feel really safe to have these big emotions because each parent is going to deal with it in a similar way so I know where I stand that doesn't always happen so I suppose are there could you speak from a maybe a child's point of view of like it's okay that I am my own person and Tobias is his own person and we're not always going to hit the nail on the head every day because the mum guilt of, oh, I'm fucking my kid up <laughs> comes into it, right? Like from that place of, okay, we are different. How can we champion each other in each other's differences and still apply the NVC to how we can actually be different and show up differently for our children yeah 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 so I love that you're bringing this up because it's something that I'm really um like tuning into at the moment myself so my children's father he um I wouldn't say and he wouldn't say that he practices NBC he's attended a couple of courses along the way and um of course he's um heard me and, and witnessed me and how I am and yet there's still a lot of differences in the way that we parent and um yeah it's a, it's a whole journey and just like briefly like if I were to like redo our early our early years it would be to like give more space for him to find his way mm -hmm. with parenting because I definitely was like I can feel it it's so innate it's so strong in me and I'm gonna leave this thing and like he, he kind of followed he kind of like left a lot of it to me because um I, I'm I'm sure I showed him you know like I've got this and 
um, I didn't, I'm, I sense that I didn't really leave like a real open space for him to come in and find his way until yeah. maybe like older and, and like off the breast and um, yeah, so that is something that I'm, I'm kind of like mourning a little bit in myself mm. and like just really holding compassion for myself in that as well and, and like I like really starting to see how that must have been for him. And so now we're going through a relationship transition. So we're six months into uncoupling. And um, yeah, it's been, it's, it is a really incredible and clarifying journey. So what's happened is there's a lot more, there seems to be a lot more spaciousness. Well, mm. like, of course, because we are untangling energetically in so many ways. And we're still living in, on the same land together. Um, and yet there's a lot more spaciousness. So um I'm finding there's a lot more spaciousness, spaciousness within me to um, to relax as I witness um, difference in parenting. Yeah, and I also have a real, I guess, like a real, like a reassurance and a, a trust that the connection that I've built up with the girls is so solid and it's so strong. They'll come and talk to me about things if it hasn't, you know, if there's still some residue in there, and um, I really like to think and I do coming so into their their selves and their own knowing um, and becoming really like quite self-connected, especially my oldest who's nine now is just starting to happen in the last six months. It's so beautiful to witness um, that I, yeah, I really trust that if she's not received in a way that I'm enjoying and I like, this is definitely me putting my own, um, you know, perspective mm. on things um she um she um is able to express herself and um to like decide for herself what feels right and true for her yeah. so it's just that foundational thing isn't it mm. so yeah she our children are gonna um, have all these different experiences all with with so many different people and it's another opportunity for them to come in and connect with what's true and what feels good for themselves so mm -hmm. yeah I don't know if that answered your question but that's what's very alive in me about where we are currently yeah. well I, in our journey it just makes sense again we went back to trust and trusting that what we do in that moment might not be perfect but it is enough like you said before with the 17 year old who didn't start receiving this nonviolent communication from her mum till she was 11 you know there's always a chance to restore and to revisit and you know you you do the best yeah. you can yeah. with the tools you have at the time um it's the same for two in the morning it's the same for 12 in the middle of the day <laughs> and i just want to say as yeah um i'm really i just want to say i'm really aware as well and i've got you know these thoughts and mm -hmm judgment that my way is better than his mm. because I've I have though I've had those thoughts and I continue to have those thoughts and they might not be as clear in my mind saying you know your way is better than his but there's something in me that has that judgment sometimes yeah and I really um, aim and strive to be really aware of that because this is this is my way that I found and it really fulfills me and I see it assisting my my connection with my children and and yet I when I take the time to like take a back seat and watch and witness and then see the connection that he has with our girls yeah. like it often brings me to tears because yeah. he has found his own way yeah. and yes a lot of the time it is different to mine he's found his own way and they adore him and they love being with him so I I just always want to remain careful when I'm having those thoughts yeah. that this way is better than that way yeah. because that disconnecting and it's alienating and I want to see him and his life and his love and what he gives yeah. yeah I feel that I I think I came I came to that when um our son was born and I did all of the bedtimes with my daughter because I was still breastfeeding her and 
I was in such yeah. a place of control that I was the only one who was going to be able to put her down to sleep without any tears. I was so adamant of like, nobody needs to cry. If I can be there and I'm going to stop crying, I will deplete myself to a point of some crazy places and, you know, those dark thoughts that I was taught, um, talking about because I was so adamant on her not crying. <laughs> anyway, and then I went into labor and I was like, oh my God. And it was the first ever time I didn't put her down to sleep. That's how long I left it. I was so hell bent on controlling on no tears for everyone. I didn't want to put Tobias in the position of feeling like he couldn't do the thing because I know how much he loves being a dad and he loves his children, right? And he loves me. And I just, to save everybody else, I was depleting myself. And yeah, and the first ever time I really understood that was when I was in bloody labor and I couldn't, I couldn't fix it. And it was a real short, sharp, um, realization that I have to let go and I have to let something else evolve from this otherwise I'm not going to learn she's not going to learn he's not going to learn um, how to be with each other in a different way um, and that's actually where we've gotten to now is we've understood that as our kids grow we grow and we learn how to communicate better we learn how to be with each other in a different way and ourselves in a different way and it's given us more freedom um instead of what used to feel really restrictive it's like oh we can only do it like this and i think that's it's a common story for so many people um you know who think that they need to follow a sleep schedule or a feeding schedule or any schedule um there's so many limitations and then when your baby doesn't do what you're told they're going to do you feel like you're doing it wrong or you feel like your baby is a, a problem child or but actually it's just releasing that control and learning how to in the moment try <laughs> um and move move through it with compassion like you're like you're talking about it's just beautiful and it's, it's interesting because the more I dive into this in preparation for today's conversation, I've learned that this literally applies to everything. I've, I've been blown away with how what I've learned through mothering in a more compassionate way. I've been able to show up in re my relationships in a better way with my siblings, my, my folks, obviously my partner, like we just went through, um, but my friends and just general communicating and just being aware of other people outside of me <laughs> that sounds that sounds more intense than it is but you know what I mean I feel like you know what I mean um a big thing that well it goes back to what you said about trusting your children what are some tools that we can use to empower our kids through those tough times you know because I think the go-to for me at least when I am feeling depleted is a stop to everything like stop crying uh stop yelling uh stop throwing your food if you're not hungry leave <laughs> there's always uh there's, there's a there's a tendency especially in public or at somebody's house to kind of stop the emotion um i don't always do it but i definitely do do it and i'm wondering some tools that we can use to actually embrace what they're what they're going through you know like empower them in feeling these huge things um and not putting guilt on them and not making them feel like what they're feeling is inaccurate to their situation or too much you know like I I'm very aware of um fear that I have of letting my daughter believe that she's too much for everything you know her big emotions are too much and I 
I want her to grow up and feel like she's a lot, but in a in the best possible way. <laughs> so while they're little, you know, hormones start kicking in and these neural pathways of high fiving and everything's kind of coming together. What are some tools that we can do as parents to really empower them in those processes? Yeah. So um so really everything in nonviolent communication comes back to to our needs. Like it really is the the center point. And so um hearing said before, you know, you, there's been there's no other human on earth that triggers you in the way that your daughter does. I say the same and experience the same and it's been so fascinating noticing my capacity to be with my oldest daughter's emotions and my youngest daughter's emotions. Like when my youngest daughter is experiencing, um, you know, anger or um, sadness or, or anything that's like quite heightened, it's it just feels really easy to stay in my heart space and to um, like receive her and hold space for her and support her to um, like fully feel and express her emotion and guide her into the awareness of her needs, which is a, a really um, important part of the practice of NVC. Mm. And with my oldest daughter, it's, it's a completely different story. I, I feel so triggered myself when she displays strong emotions. Um, and so I probably like it's really only been in the last year that I um, have actually landed in a similar place. Like it's still not the same as with my youngest daughter. Like it still requires some some work, some inner work to get to this place of being open to receive her. But it's taken me all that time, like from when I first found NVC when she was three. So six, you know, like a good five years of practicing this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it did get easier. And um, so really, it, again, it's like I can't hold space for her if I'm not connected to my own needs and breathing into my own needs. So that's always first and foremost. And then I used, used to do all of these. Um, I just used to practice practice outside of the moment when she's having that big emotion like so later on you know when all the kids are in bed and everything's quiet I'd like take my mind back to that situation like what could she have been needing in that moment and I did that so often and my guesses were often always the same um, with her needs and it usually came down to things like I, I guess, because we never really know, we can only guess, I guess that she wanted to know that she still mattered and that she was still accepted in her bigness, mm. that, um, that our connection was still solid. Mm. And when I started like seeing that all of the guesses were like along those kind of lines, it, it like just, it like cracked something in me. Mm. And I just suddenly found another layer an accessible layer of compassion for her mm. when she's experiencing those mm. and she's so receptive to um she's so receptive now she wasn't before but it probably wasn't coming you know my my frequency wasn't matching my words just like you were demonstrating before and now she's so receptive to my my words my empathy guesses like are you feeling this and is it about this and yeah. coming close and it's just been like it feels like a miracle like it's like a magical turning point so again like with nearly everything I find in um you know like being a human in relation in relations um is, is the practice away from the intensity yeah so yeah it, it's so important and then do you think that applies a, for them as well like as an active thing like well there's so much out there that says you know trying to talk to a toddler when they're in a literal breakdown is not going to get you anywhere i i don't always experience that i sometimes am able to calm frank down when she's in that place not always so mm -hmm. do you mean as well pulling like once that time is gone, you know, that that they've, they're calm, you've gotten to a good place, you're cuddling, would you then sit with your your daughter and be like, wow, that was really intense just now. Can we 
talk about that or is that or are you talking more about yourself you know pulling yourself away later on like you said when the kids are asleep and checking yourself <laughs> or both um yeah I'm talking about both okay. I was referring to with myself mm-hmm. and you know when when my oldest daughter was younger she wouldn't even ever want to talk about things afterwards it was like it was like too hard for her mm-hmm. so that's when I really learned the value of the non-verbal non-violent communication like the real like being with her and her needs like in an energetic way and then whatever would follow like whatever came out of my mouth or my actions was coming from that um resonant place so we were connected Mm. that way Mm. and now like it's like I like a lot of keep saying it's like this blossoming now like she'll write me letters like about how she's feeling um she'll go and grab like there's this exercise we've got with a, a heart and on one side you guess yeah so you write down your own feelings and needs and on the other side you guess someone else's feelings and needs so it's like a complete heart and she often will do that if she's had a conflict with her sister Aww. I've never ever like Cute. told her to I've never ever taught her she's just seen me do it one time she saw me prepare these hearts for an NBC course and she was like mom what's this and now she's got her own stash and she'll go and bring them out and it's just so um so fulfilling knowing that like all of these yeah over over her life over her past six years um and me like having worries oh my gosh she's never going to be in tune with her emotions oh my gosh like how am I going to like tap into her emotional field and let her know that it's safe to talk about it and now here she is and she's doing Mm -hmm. it in her own beautiful way and I just like when she she lights up when she does it like she's so stoked that's amazing and that's testament to you and who you are as a mum, just like you seeing that 17 year old going, I want to meet her mum. I just, oh, I love it. Well done. <laughs> well done. <laughs> We're all doing everybody listening. Well done. Okay. This is a tough gig sometimes. And I think even being aware enough to have these conversations and being open to these conversations and clicking on this podcast and wanting to hear what we're talking about and what Jess has to offer it's you know leaps and bounds all the time we're always taking these huge strides forward yes we take some steps back but man it's it's a lot it is a lot and our kids are amazing and you're amazing whoever you are and yeah all the love and compassion in the world thank you so much for talking to me today and yeah I would love to stay on here for quite some time but my boobs just filled and um (laughs) and my child is still awake amazingly or not so amazingly maybe this is just us now but um I'm gonna go home and snuggle the shit out of my toddler and give her all the love whoever is listening who wants to find you to find more of this information and maybe work with you or just check out your posts and get that boost each day that they might need where can they find you so i'm i hang out over on instagram flourishing and flow is where i am gorgeous okay thank you so much poppy it's been such a pleasure talking to you and yeah I'm sure there's going to be many more conversations to come. Yep, definitely. (laughs) 